Hello, church family. Today we're going to look at Acts chapter 9, or sorry, Acts chapter 10, verse um, 36 to uh, 48. Um, if you remember this chapter, if you've been following along with all, each of these episodes, you, you remember this is actually the um, response to Cornelius and Peter getting a vision from the Lord. Both of them, independently of one another, although all part of God's sovereign plan, received a vision uh, for Cornelius first um, by getting a vision of going and finding Peter or Simon uh, and tell him that you you need to go to find him to get the full understanding of the gospel. And independent of him, uh, Peter started getting a vision about how he, um, he was supposed to eat uh, all the animals. And this is all intentional because God wanted them to meet and so that the uh, the church will, will go beyond just uh, with just Jewish Christians, but do the Gentile Christians as well. In a lot of ways, this section, you can call it, I think MacArthur called it the Pentecost of the Gentiles. And that's really cool because it's really fitting in the, in the context of this chapter too, because this is when, at a time when the Jewish Christians did not really want to associate with the Gentiles. Um, and for a lot of them, making that gap between the lifestyle of a Gentile and saying that, oh, they're, they're with us as the, as the part of the church, it took a big step, and by God's grace, he was able to make it easier for them um, to know that, hey, it doesn't matter. God is not a respecter person. God doesn't care about your ethnicity or your genealogy or your past or anything like that. God cares about whether or not you believe in Jesus now. And Peter was having these visions about these animals, was debating and unsure, uh, and he went uh, by uh, he went to visit Cornelius, and Cornelius was a very uh, important man. He had a, he had a, he had an army, or he, was, he governed over an army. Uh, so this was someone that was high-ranking, but he he feared the Lord. Um, feared the Lord in the sense of he he wanted to learn more about the Lord. He wanted to seek after truth. He probably saw all the polytheistic people and religious out there at the time, and felt that these were this can't be it. Uh, they're contradicting one another. In a lot of ways, these gods were just extensions of human uh, behavior and and characteristics. Um, there has to be something more than that. Again, Lord providentially brought them, Peter and um, and uh, Cornelius, together. And we see here, as we continue on, that he gets saved, and Cornelius gets saved, and then the rest of Gentiles begins uh, to accept Jesus Christ. So I think what uh, the lesson I would draw from this whole thing is just really walking through the gospel um, and how different facets of the gospels that we need to highlight. Because um, yes, the gospel is one gospel, but the way that we communicate the gospel can be different depending on person to person. And uh, as we do that, I hope that you will be equipped to be able to go and share the gospel with other loved ones or their friends or even strangers in your life and hope that they can come to saving faith. So uh, we'll start from verse uh, 36. The word, and this is actually a recurring phrase throughout the um, this book uh, from verse 36 here to uh, verse 44 and later in the chapter and then chapter 11 verse 1 um, the importance is that the word of god needs to be preached in order for people to be saved uh, it's not so much about the miracles the miracles that are just authenticate the message that they are saying um, when they hear god's word when people hear god's word that's what converts someone all of the things that you see in our life whether it be success or failures or whatever the ministry you have, these things are all secondary compared to the, the, the Word of God. We worship the God that breathed out His Word, and therefore we need to be people that teach God's Word if we want conversion. It's not about a program. It's not about a system. 
The only thing that we as Christians need to be known for are people of this book. And in the teaching of that book, in this book, the scriptures, is what converts people. So we see verse 36, the word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. So Peter here is teaching them, and he's explaining to them that in order to find peace, they have to go through Jesus Christ, because he is the Lord. And salvation only comes through uh, through through peace with the Lord. And that's actually what we uh, we do when we're sharing the gospel. We're actually trying to reconcile, or be, we're, we're doing our best to help them see that they need to reconcile between man and God. And I think sometimes people think that you know being a Christian means it's all about, um, it has to be some sort of positive motivation. Like, oh, I only want to be a Christian because I love God. And that's true, you need to love God. Or that I want to be a Christian to get my life together. And that's true, being a Christian will have that as a secondary benefit. But I think sometimes people fear that, the, um, that the, some of these secondary reasons are wrong reasons. I think one of the reasons where people think that they uh, can't be a Christian is that they don't, they feel that, oh, if I just want to be a Christian to not go to hell, that's a very selfish motive. And that's actually not true. We are called to escape the wrath of God. That's actually the reason why Christ came. Uh, he wants us to have peace with him. He wants us to not experience judgment that is to come that we um, all deserve. But it's because of his grace that he sent his son so that we have this opportunity to be made peace with the, with the God of peace. And it's through Jesus Christ. So when you share some, the gospel with someone, understand that when you, when you, share, when you talk about sin with them, uh, that's a good thing. You want them to fear hell, fear the judgment of God. That's not, there's nothing wrong with that. It may not be a pleasant message, but this is what they need to hear. Or otherwise, they wouldn't understand why they even need peace to begin with. Um, you, you don't understand your need unless you understand that there's something lacking in your life. And that's what's going on here. Peter was explaining to um, the Gentile uh, and Cornelius and his whole family and everyone else that they want, they're sent to go and talk about this message of peace. Verse 37, you yourself know the thing which uh, took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went uh, about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now this is a, this is a lot here, but just to summarize, it's interesting that Peter tells him that you know. Again, he, Cornelius was a centurion, so he's worked with the Roman guard. He, he knows about Jesus. Um, even at the time when he, it doesn't specify in the text when he became a God-fearer, uh, but he really wanted to learn more about the Lord. And um, for some reason, he did not encounter Jesus in the, at that time, uh, before. but he knew of him. He knew him enough about all the events that are going on. He, he knew about how uh, Jesus was uh, killed. He knew about even uh, his baptism. He knew about all of the fact that Jesus went all around healing people. And, um, and he, 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 knew, he knows just general knowledge about what Jesus is. And here's the thing about us when we think about our context. General knowledge about Christ does not save you. We live in a technological advanced age where you can find any message about Jesus that and a lot of them are actually biblical and accurate, but just because you know those ideas and truth doesn't mean that you're saved. And that's really a warning for us of those inside the church, because there are those people inside the church that believe that just because they know the facts of Christianity, that they've studied enough about the Bible, that that makes them genuinely saved. Now, this is not the case. You have to truly believe the facts that are true. Because even atheists can know the facts, but they have no desire to actually believe in those facts as, as absolute truth. 
the centurion here, he knew a general knowledge of Jesus, but he didn't, it didn't, and he was seeking the Lord. This is almost like the pre-salvation, someone that has a desire to learn more about the Lord. And I believe even in those situations that God is providentially drawing people to him using uh, whatever circumstances in their life. So here, the centurion, Cornelius, he has some general desire to seek after the Lord. Um, but he, didn't, he even knew general information about the Lord, but he didn't have a genuine relationship with the Lord. And, and you know, Peter was just trying to uh, backpedal a little bit so he can kind of explain to him, yeah, this Jesus that you know about, he is the one. He's the one that, is, that healed uh, people who were oppressed by the devil. He's fully man, and, this, and you know that he said he's fully man because it says that he's Jesus of Nazareth, so that he, he knows that Jesus is a physical person. And also said that God was with him, so that he was fully God. So he wanted to explain the fact that Jesus is both man and God. And that in order for you to have peace with this God, you need to go through Jesus alone. Verse 39, we are witnesses all of all the things we, he did in both the land of Jews and in Jerusalem, and also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. So Peter, he's just saying that, yeah, he's one of those guys that saw everything that happened. Verse 40, God raised him up on the dead, uh, raised him up on the third day and granted that he became visible. Not to all people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God. That is to us who ate and drank with him <laughs> after he rose from the dead. So again, this is a familiar passage. Um, Peter is saying that the reason why uh, they are doing what they're doing is because they, they, they're eyewitnesses of God. They, they, had, they saw him, the physical resurrected Christ after three days, fulfilling everything that the Old Testament Jews know of. And then uh, they, he had a, they had a meal with him, they had fellowship with him, they ate and drank with him, and they knew that he has risen. Again, this is all at the end of the gospel where Jesus appeared to about 500 people. So there were like 500 people that are eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection. That means um, that the resurrection is important. And it's important for whenever we share the gospel with people that we highlight the reality that the resurrection, that Jesus is, has risen from the dead. There are people in our secular age that try to um, de-mythologize Jesus or try to make him seem more human by making the fact that, oh, he didn't really die, that, that all of these people hallucinated, which is impossible for 500 people to have meals with him and all have the same hallucinations, right? It's, it's impossible. Like, if there was a shooting in somewhere in, in the world and there was 500 witnesses pointing to the fact that this one person is a killer, that person's guilty. If you have 500 witnesses from all, from like a span of several weeks saying like, hey, yeah, we saw them at different times and doing different things and miracles, even in a legal sense, you have to believe that this person is who they claim. And and that's what's going on here as well. Jesus was before them. He ate before them. He he, he showed him, uh, he, he was teaching them as well. And he ascended up into heaven as we see in the beginning of the book of Acts. So this is all things that uh, Peter was aware of, all the followers of Jesus Christ they knew of, and the centurions and you know, Cornelius, all the Gentiles, they're starting to, to, to piece everything together. And he explains to them, Peter said that he was ordered to preach to them, verse 4, he ordered us to preach to the people that uh, solemnly to testify that this is the one who had been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. So they're pointing again to Jesus, saying that he is the one that's going to bring peace to people, but he's also going to be the judge. It's a warning to those that if you reject Jesus, you will be judged by Jesus. And that's again, when we're pleading and sharing the gospel with people, we need to warn them of that as well. We, plead, we want to plead with them that, hey, this is the consequence of sin, which is separation. This is the only way for you to be saved. 
believing in him, trusting in him, believing in his resurrection, knowing that he actually has um, had a bodily resurrection after three days being in the tomb. And now he's on the right hand of the Father and he will return. Um, these are all things that, are, that we need to explain to people in the gospel presentation in hopes that they understand. And Peter does just that. He, tells, he even warns them that if you reject this, then you're going to be judged by Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead. Verse 43, of him, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin. So Jesus, uh, sorry, Peter here is alluding back to the fact, to the fact that the, the, the Old Testament, uh, all the references from Isaiah 53, Daniel 7, all of these Old Testament references, Genesis 3, everything that you can think of that makes allusion to the first coming of Jesus Christ, it's, it's, it's not new to them. So it's definitely not new to the Jews, but he's also explained that like the Jewish people that you know that they essentially the Romans worked with to kill Jesus, they held they had the knowledge just like how Cornelius had a general knowledge that um, that didn't save him. Uh, the Jews had a general knowledge of understanding Scripture that they didn't save him because they're blinded by their sin and they failed to to recognize that Jesus is Lord. And the result is that um, they're going to be judged by him. But Peter, as he explains that in order for you to be saved, it has nothing to do with with any act that you have to do. And it's, and it's important that when we share the gospel, we acknowledge that, that the reason why we share the gospel to them is not that we try to get anything from them. We don't want anything from them. We just want them to be saved. Um, and we don't want to give any criteria. There's nothing they need to give to us, nothing they need to do. The only thing they need to do is believe. And we see this, verse 4, four while Peter was still speaking. So he was in the middle of his sermon as he's going about, and then he just, it was interrupted by the Lord. These people got saved, and the Holy Spirit, verse 44, fell upon all those who were listening to the message. So he, he wasn't even done. He's probably in point two or three or whatever in his, in his sermon outline. People got saved. He noticed that there was a change in the people. Verse 4, 5, all the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because of the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. So he was so the Jews, and along with Peter, all of these um, Christians were just amazed by what they're seeing. They start um, having the same type of spiritual gift, the supernatural gifts. And this is important because you know the Jew, Jewish Christians were able to right, have these gifts and, and you know, healing and do all these supernatural things. But really, in a lot of ways, this Gentiles, the fact that they're able to do this is, was to give authenticity to the Jewish Christians that these Gentile Christians are, are uh, and the Jewish Christians believe in the same thing, that they can have assurance that, like, hey, they're no longer separated by their ethnicity anymore, but that are now brothers and sisters in Christ because the Holy Spirit is indwelling in, bo in both groups. Verse 46, for they were hearing them ex speaking with tongues, exalting God. And Peter answered, surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? So he's just asking a rhetorical question. You know, it's like, it's a very obvious question. Like, you know, uh, what they see is as clear as day that, that what they believe in, what we have is exactly the same. And the result of that is this, verse 40, he ordered them to be baptized in the name of uh, Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay for a few days. So who did Peter order? Is, is the, who's the them here? It was these Jewish uh, people that came with him. He came with, I think, six other Jewish people, as it says in 
the beginning of the chapter, uh, and they all went, uh, and, and, and the question is like, why? Why did, G, why did Peter tell them to get baptized? I think it's similar to the reason why Paul did not baptize that many people. It says that one of the reasons is they don't want people to point to Peter, saying like, okay, well, Peter, these, these Gentiles are super Christians because Peter baptized them. And I, I, don't, I think that's really one of the reasons, is so that these Gentiles will not be puffed up saying like, oh, we're very unique because one of the original 12 baptized us. Um, but also, I do think that it's to also show to the, uh, the Jewish Christians that, hey, look, they're brothers and sisters now, and you can't look at them any different. And it's just like a Jewish Christian to come to saving faith, so does a Gentile. You need to treat them exactly the way that they should. So this is, in a lot of ways, a training exercise for them to, to love on those, not based on their ethnic, ethnic background, which is so prevalent and at that time, but to, to see them as like, you guys are, you have something better now, and that is unity in the Holy Spirit. And he tells them to baptize them in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, and they, then they, the Cornelius and them, asked him to stay on for a few days. So I think this is just a beautiful picture of how the Gentiles start receiving the spiritual gifts um, and the Holy Spirit dwelling in them and they're able to even seem to do unique things for a little while and it's authenticate the fact that the, that the Jewish and the Gentiles are all united believing in one God, which is what Cornelius wanted. He wanted to know who this one God is that's God over everything and everyone and they found it, he finally found it in Jesus Christ. Now I wonder that for you, if you're listening, if you have not come to Saving Faith, I would plead with you that you will receive the peace that only Jesus Christ can give, that you are separated from sin, uh, you're separated from God because of your sin, and that you'll be judged for your sin because of your, um, you'll be judged for your sin, and that's God's punishment, that you'll be thrown into hell, suffering eternal wrath because of even just one small sin is enough to throw you into hell. But Jesus loved you so much that he sent himself, or God sent the Son into the world to live that perfect life, so to live the life that you have failed to live. Whatever sin that you can think of, um, that's, that's, that you can think of, shortcomings, these aren't just mistakes, these are blunders that are offensive to the Lord, and yet God is still willing to send the Son to die for you in your place so that you don't have to suffer that wrath. And the only thing you need to do is believe in the name of Jesus Christ that he is the risen Lord, that he's come back to life, uh, and he rose again three days later, and that that's a symbolism for you to know that if you believe in him, you'll have a resurrection as well. You trust in him with all your heart, and your, all your mind, your soul, everything. You repent of all your good works, and you trust only in the work of Jesus Christ. And if you do believe, then I would advise you to get baptized. Just like this, the baptisms doesn't save you, in verse 47, the baptisms uh, were made, give, were given after the fact that they believe, after the Holy Spirit dwelled in them, they were given baptism as a symbol that they are now part of, uh, of, of, the, of the church, that they, are, uh, that they identify with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if that's you today, I would highly encourage you, um, you know, to, to believe in Jesus, uh, and then get, and get baptized as a first act of obedience to him. For the rest of us that are believers, I hope that this is encouraging to you and that you find that, hey, you are the recipients of this. Because you and I, I'm, I'm not Jewish. I'm, I don't know how many people who are listening are Jewish. We understand that the reason why you get the gospel is because God is not a respecter of man. He doesn't care your, about your ethnicity. He only wants you to trust in his son for salvation. And we have the gospel because faithful individuals in the past have shared the gospel with us, and I hope that we uh, feel the, 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 weight, the weightiness of this responsibility and privilege to represent him in our world now. 
and I hope that you can go and tell someone this week about who Jesus Christ is. Thanks for listening. Take care and have a great day.